You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 433, the big two-way quiz, how to inject misery into happy lives, and we edit some classic albums. That's all coming up after Junior Senior and Move Your Feet. intriguing that so many one-hit wonders are so earwormy um i have this theory that everyone has one hit song in them and in this case Mm. (laughs) reaching number three in the uk (laughs) in 2003 it was junior senior and move your feet what an amazing song i mean i i was at university when that came out i remember it being absolutely everywhere like you you, it was one of those songs that that adheres to neil tennant's rule about how big a hit is and his view is is there's an inverse there's an inversely proportionate relationship between the size of a hit so how popular it is and the effort which you have to take to hear it meaning that the less effort Mm. you take to hear something the more that it's a 
massive hit. And I remember you'd hear it in cabs, you'd hear it in shops, you'd hear it sort of in clubs, you'd hear it as the back. It still gets used frequently on TV for sort of backing music, particularly the instrumental kind of track yes. break. That's mm. always on things like your antiques programs in an escape to the country and things like that yes. in the, the day. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great song. I remember they did have an attempt at a follow up with something called Rhythm Black Bandits, and I remember them performing it on a, on a, it was a T, the T four slot on Channel Four. I remember watching it with the University Housemate, and they started a play, and my University Housemate went by then, and that pretty much sums <laughs> it. I'm afraid to say. Welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 433. Mm. I'm Terence Stackham and reeling from the news of her namesake, Carmela Harris, withdrawing from the race to become the Democrat uh, nominee. It's Juliet Harris. Oh, I am very sad about that. We will never get our Harris's for America photo opportunity that I was hoping for. But uh, no, genuinely disappointed, actually. Mm. I thought she had something about her that would have worked. And... You know, as as long-standing listeners of the program will know, I I just I find it maddening that the answer is already always seems to be some answer in inverted commas always seems to be somebody old and white. And Kamala Harris broke the broke the mould a bit there, and I would have liked to have seen more of her. But anyway, aside from that rather gloomy note, hello. Our um our opening feature is of course the increasingly sensationally popular, uh, the big two-way quiz. Which has expanded. It, 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 <laughs> it this have, whole yeah. is just going to be quiz. It's uh, it's taken over the first. Uh, it's expanded into the first slot. Now the first um, element of which is that I challenge you, the listener, and mm-hmm. you, the Juliet Harris, yes. and Carmela Harris, if she's listening. Yes, it, I was going to say we might say she's probably got more time on her hands now, so it's quite possible. What I ask you to do is identify five songs in a thirty-second burst, and this week, what could be easier? It's all you have to do is identify five Beatles songs. Oh. It's so easy. Oh, I, I meant to mention five Beatles songs played on panpipes. <laughs> I'm a, oh, I'm a, every time I think you've got no rabbits left, Terence, oh. you've one out. There we go. It's almost sacrilegious. It's quite a painful listen. Uh, um, yeah. So one point for each. Four are relatively easy. The fifth one, a little bit harder to spot, but I've given you more of it so that oh, you lovely. get. Oh, lovely! That's very kind. Thank you. I know, indeed. Three out of five wins. Five Beatles songs played on panpipe. <laughs> awaits your verdict Jules well the fifth one mm-hmm. I am um, the fifth one I can I can pick it I can I remember the line but I can't remember the song so I am um, I suspect I will not get that but anyway let's rattle off the ones I think I can get I think the first one is Eleanor Rigby correct I think the second one is Hey Jude correct the third one is Let It Be 
Right again. Uh, the fourth one is Yesterday. Featured so often in the last week or two. Yes, absolutely. Our favourite Yesterday. Um, uh, oh, the fifth one, I'd really a struggling to like play. As will we'll never, never die. die. As long as oh, I... Oh, is it And I Love Her? Yes, it Hooray! is. Five out of five. I'm going to give you that because it's it was uh, you know an album track rather than a huge hit. Yeah, um, absolutely. I nearly said in my life I was just struggling to um, struggling to find the line, but no. Uh, what could be that lovely that lovely panpipe medley you just played? That's it? very absolutely sweet. Thank terrible. you. Whenever I see the panpipe people in the street doing their busking, I really. <laughs> oh, do you the... have them too? They're oh, sort of the, they're, they're everywhere. They're, they're, they're one of those people that have sort of, uh, sort of slightly infected modern life without people realising. We've had them in Hastings Town Centre since the nineties, and oh. I think it's the same ones as well. Probably is. They probably tour around. I cross the road. I move to another town to get away. <laughs> and yeah. who can blame you, frankly? Now, the moment I'm still coming to terms with. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's a nice way of putting it. Where you set a quiz for me. I, I don't like it, and the, and me and the listener. <laughs> what I love about you is that you're always so willing to embrace <laughs> new things. And the listeners, are, I can I picture them all at home shouting at me, saying, "It's Elvis Presley, you buffoon!" <laughs> I mean, I have to say, of all the ones I thought you'd get wrong, I didn't think it was that one. I, I cannot believe you managed to get Marianne Faithful, which was really quite hard, <laughs> and not get Elvis, Elvis Presley. Oh, anyway, Elvis each to their own. Each to their own. I have worrying gaps in my knowledge too. So I've got a song for you, Terence, much okay. to your chagrin, but never mind. Um, so it's it's I can't get no satisfaction performed. Oh by five people or five artists so we say now to give you some clues on this the the fifth one i've given you a bit more of because it's two voices duetting together so i'd like you there's a prominent voice and a backing voice but i think the backing voice is distinct enough for you to be able to recognize it so so they were built together i can give you more clues at the time so that's just to let you know um that the last one is in fact two people so Half a point for each person. So we've got five, five, uh, five versions now. So your runners and ridents, Terence, please. Well, I'm confident, I think, of two only, but I'll, I'll have a go at two others. But that fifth one with the two voices completely stunned me. So first one, <clears throat> was it the Rolling Stones themselves, the yes, original? it was. Congratulations. That's one tick. Now, number two, I'm really not sure if I'm just going to have a stab and say Otis Redding, but without okay. any... Yes, You're joking. It's, uh, it is Otis Redding, yes. Marianne Faithful all over again. It is, yes. Third one, again, absolutely. I, I, I'm I sure it is. I'm on this because yeah. it's quite hard. So, so massive American female pop star, 
became prominent towards the end of the night is massive in the noughties we don't hear much from her now but you would know you would know her name she's enormous yeah i had i'd written down cindy lauper but i knew it wasn't um no, I, I'm not going to get that at all. I'm probably it's Britney Spears's version oh, Britney. of Britney. Oh, I should have recognised Britney from uh, from her uh, second album. Oops, I did it again. Oh, I should have got that number four. I'm pretty confident that's Devo. Correct. So you have qualified. Well done, Thank Sir goodness. Kevin. Switch now I'm going to need help for the fifth okay, one. The two voices so absolutely the, nowhere on that. So the two the two voices. Both they they performed this together at the Brit Awards in I believe 1993. Um, two huge at the time and still fair, you know, still big. I think female alternative stars duetting together. Um, so your PJ Harvey was it? It is, yes. Yeah, so that's one. I thought it was, but I thought that could. I, th- I did actually have down PJH here, and I thought, it, so, but it so can't it, be. It is. So who is the woman duetting with her? Sort of making the fact that she's making vocals that sort of sound a bit like noises in the background is Yoke. a bit of a clue. It is. PJ Harvey, three Brit Awards. So with a little bit of wind assistance, you've got four out of five there. Well done. I'm pleased with myself, to be honest, Jules, because I, I started from nowhere there and just found my way in. I was, Absolutely. Pl- what can I say? So congratulations, you have made it onto <laughs> level three, which I will, I will play to you next week. It's like Candy Crush Saga. It is, um, yes, and such other uh, maddeningly addictive games. Coming next, the secret of happiness is doing something you hate. Can that possibly be true? That's next, right after The Beatles. She's not a girl who misses much. Oh, yeah. Touch of the velvet hand like a lizard on a window pane. The man in the crowd with the multicolored mirrors on his hobnail boots. Lying with his eyes while his hands are busy working overtime. A soap impression of his wife, which he ate and donated to the National Trust. Can do me no harm. Yeah. Be gone. Yeah. 
Yes, yeah, so, so to bring us into discussing happiness, even though happy, or rather sort of admiring happiness as a as a complex thing, that was the magnificent Beatles. They, they, they've achieved saturation in the podcast this week, I feel. Um, um, from the White Album, of which more later, uh, we have that, which to me is one of the best songs on it. I think it's it was one of their last genuine full band performances towards the end of their career, and I think it's absolutely brilliant. I, I, I as regular listeners might know, I'm a sucker with, for songs with lots of sections in them so i'm a huge fan of that that is happiness is a warm gun yes it is it's one of the it's one of the most compelling songs on the white album one of the successful experimental pieces on the album and i think um the opening verse is is sort of wonderfully um poetical um and ringo of course handles all those time changes superbly so yeah a, a winner off the white album for sure, absolutely for sure. agree the more that uh, years go by, the more life seems to speed up, um, never more so than in internet years where we're constantly on call, we mm. can be reached everywhere by phone, by text, by WhatsApp, by Twitter, by Facebook. It feels like we can never switch off. And now I'm not convinced this always connected lifestyle makes us uh, any happier. In fact, I'd argue the reverse is true. So finding contentment and happiness as we head towards the 2020s is perhaps something to grasp when we can. This week in my The Daily Telegraph, um, mm. uh, the writer James Innes Smith mm. argues that modern living is too comfortable, which is a controversial view in itself, of course. Um, mm. Nice to be in a state where you can say that. Um, and, and that he's found a form of redemption um in the style of a daily measure of enforced hardship. And one example he gives is that instead of taking the tube, the subway or the bus home in a torrential rainstorm, he chose to ride one of those awful sponsored bikes in London mm. back, to, back to his home, um, where he argues that after the pain of getting soaked, wrapping himself in a dressing gown and sipping a whiskey felt like bliss. So, Jules, do you have to experience pain to enjoy pleasure and so can i encourage you to go and lie on the on the beach in sussex in a thunderstorm well i mean it's a kind offer terence mm. as as all the things that you suggest to me are always very well intended yes. um dot 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 but uh, yeah this is an interesting piece i thought although like you say some level of controversy about this it is very much a piece written from an angle of privilege isn't it really it's it's, a, it's it's a piece that's written you know from someone who if you're having to go out of your way to make yourself uncomfortable that therefore suggests that you have a very comfortable life doesn't it really and it's a little bit um given that you know the, the huge rise of food banks in this country, the sort of worrying stats we seem to see most weeks about the amount of children we have living in poverty, the Channel 4 um, dispatches a documentary that was on the other week about children growing up in poverty. It's, it's you know, it, it's not in great taste at the moment, I don't think. And it shows, I mean, I'm glad for him that he is separate from that kind of life. But it's, it's I, I find that a little bit tin-eared, given what's going on at the moment. Um, maybe, maybe you know, maybe there's an argument as to can someone just not write an article without having to be socially aware. But it's, <laughs> I, find that a bit, I find that aspect of it a bit, a bit sort of wearing. But I do I like the idea that he that he used another example he used was going without and again this is rather in poor taste given what I've just mentioned about mm. food banks going without food for ages and then being really hungry so you really appreciate your food there is some truth in that and and actually I was talking to my friend about desert island meals the other day not desert island meals as in what 
me it, like there's an island dish you don't necessarily pick your favorite songs people pick often pick songs that have a particular meaning to them at, at, at a certain point in their life so my desert island meals we were saying we're not you know oh i really like jacket you know my favorite ever meal is jacket potato whatever it isn't but you know whatever mm. um it was the circumstances in which I ate meals. So I remembered going to Spain for a week with some friends and we travelled quite late at night. And by the time we got to around the corner from where we were staying, we were met at the restaurant. We'd had a, a, a delay, I think, and we didn't get there till about 11 o'clock. And we were instantly served with this sort of steak and potatoes meal. And I can remember it was one of the nicest meals I've ever had because I was so hungry and tired at that point. I was just so good. They could have served me anything and I would have thought it was great, to be fair. So I can kind Kind of see the logic. Jules, can I just can I just um, ask you something? If you'd concentrated on puddings, it would be dessert island mm-hmm. meals. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank if only I had indeed. my klaxon with me. So um, so thank you, thank you. I thank you as always for your contributions mm-hmm. to this podcast, Harris. Um, so uh, so yeah, I am. Um, I, you know, like I say, is it's I find it because of, you know, because of, of, of the headlines we have every day at the moment, I, I find aspects of it a little bit. Oh, well, I'm glad for you that you have to actually physically make an effort to be uncomfortable. Isn't it good that your life is that comfortable? But equally, I suppose on a small level, I do I do see what he's talking about. I do see about the idea that it is so easy to get cosseted. It is so easy to, to kind of fall into this sort of pattern of, of general sort of low level contentment that maybe you just stop feeling things. It is possible. Yes, alongside this piece by James Innes Smith, there's a photograph of him looking like he's just unlocked the secrets of the universe. So blissful is his demeanour. Yes. Which it seems to indicate his joy um, in standing in a London square surrounded by traffic. It's an odd pose. I'm going to consign James Innes Smith to uh, join those other people who walk the Camino de Santiago in their bare feet or medieval anchorites who had themselves built into cells outside churches. Good luck to them all. But life is, as you indicate, life is tough enough without adding in deliberate obstacles. And I feel that instead of creating false problems, if anyone feels guilty about their comfortable life, don't get on one of those Santander bikes in London in the rain. Give to others rather than create pretend obstacles mm. in your own life. No, uh, I think that is exactly it, frankly, and that ties into my uh, my food bank thing. If you have too much food, why not give some to someone else? Big, long albums that need to be edited down. <laughs> We're the this duo. podcast could be one of them, frankly, but anyway, oh, carry oh, on. Jess, that didn't occur to me. Um, <laughs> We're the duo for that job, uh, editing long albums down. That's next. Now, I really love the guitar on this. It's John Mayer. my 
does tend to polarise opinion and still gets he gets quite a lot of negative press based on some high profile romances he had in his younger days but he's also renowned for his uh, philanthropy and dedicated support to causes close to his heart this album sold over 5 million copies worldwide from 2006 and the album Continuum John Mayer and I don't trust myself well it's a message we can all get behind frankly I agree with that the guitars and that were excellent Mm. One of the chief aspects we can thank Napster and then BitTorrent Technology for was paving the way for iTunes and subsequently streaming, Mm. which meant the unpacking of album tracks. You could now and can now buy or stream songs individually, ending the depressing practice where you would hear a great track, rush out and buy the album on the strength of it, only to find that the ace song you heard was the only decent track on the album. You've paid 10 quid for one great track and 11 fillers. Well, with that in mind, we decided to edit some classic albums from the past that have just too much filler. And um, so, you know, what albums could do with substantial editing? We've picked three each. Um, Tell us about the first two on your list, Jules. Well, controversially, I've picked an album by my favourite artist. Um, so, so this is her second appearance on the podcast this week. I'm an enormous fan of PJ Harvey, as everybody knows. I think her output is fantastic. Um, I have slight issues. So she released an album in 2004, which was a follow-up to her hugely successful album, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Um, that was unexpectedly a bit of a sort of a runaway, a runaway hit by her standards, although she has described it as pop by PJ Harvey's standards, which is probably not pop by most people's standards. But oh, anyway, it was, album, it was, ve- well, exactly. It was very accessible to people who hadn't necessarily been familiar with her before. Um, it sold a large amount by, by her sort of standards. And, and that sorry that sounds mean i don't mean it to be but you know she's always been an artist that's been yeah absolutely and it won the mercury music prize which i think gave it a huge kind of philip and and so it was an album which i can understand there would be huge pressure to follow up on and i suspect that she might feel differently now because she's sort of older and wiser maybe but i listening to this album it's called uh her her um there is a band that have actually named themselves after it and hilariously there was a track called uh her her um and i think the 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 story of this track kind of sums up the difficulties with the album that I have really which is the album is called Uh Her Her after a track that she made that was called Uh Her Her which is excellent where she was playing live when she was touring the album but she wouldn't include it on the album because she said um, uh, that she felt it was too PJ Harvey by numbers and I felt at this point she I think in, in her desire an admirable desire to get as far away as she could from the sound of the previous album she was sort of second guessing herself and overthinking things and there are some excellent songs on Uh Her and we'll play one of them later on but there is uh, something about this album it's it's 14 tracks long at least two of those are what could kindly be described as filler there is one called seagulls which is just noises of seagulls for about a minute and a half and then it stops i mean uh, this is an album which i think it has an excellent album in it and i think that's the theme of this if you took nine songs from this and done it as a slightly shorter album it would be superb but as it is it feels a little bit patchwork quilty and you could charitably say it's someone experimenting and trying different things there is a flip side it's it sounds a little bit in places like like sort of scrabbling around to try and make something after a hugely successful record she did go on to make some more brilliant records and win the mercury music prize again but when i listen to all of her albums i find this is a bit of a stopgap really so um so that that's that's me and it pains me to say that because i'm enormous Mm. 
they hold me but it's a slightly i find it to be a slightly unsatisfying album but i think that if you'd shortened it and kept some of the excellent songs on there i think it would have been really good so uh, so that's uh, that's one the mm. second one perhaps less controversial i find this to be rather bloated in the way that it is truly bloated because it, anything that has a film that goes with it is always going <laughs> to tip towards the indulgent in my view and i'm, I'm afraid to say that uh, my other half is an enormous pink floyd fan and i am i am also a, a, a great enjoyer of pink floyd but um I, th- I think the wall could have been shorter i've got to be honest i think it could have had a few less bricks in it thank you see i'm I'm up there with you now come come for the quiz stay for the terrible puns Mm. so yeah the wall i i'm sure i've never heard it in full and doesn't that tell a story in itself well i think it does i think i've only heard two tracks which is uh, comfortably numb and and another brick in the wall Uh, yeah roger waters never seems to tire of touring it does he He, Mm, he's his entire career post wall on it well which is which i can understand you know uh, fair enough to him but i just there seems to be so much of it and and uh, i don't know I, I i really struggle with the wall i i again i think that the, that the funny thing is is that comfortably numb and another brick in the wall are fantastic and there's mm. some genuinely fantastic songs on there i i suspect that i'll get a few letters about this because people mm. will say that the whole point of the wall is that it is a concept album maybe i've misunderstood that i don't know but i don't know it feels a bit much to me the wall. <laughs> for, for me it arrived i think for, for many of of my musical taste at the time it arrived in the post-punk world of i don't know the jam elvis costello blondie and of course even chic and earth wind and fire in that sort of 78 79 era and it just felt out of place at the time um but i'm sure uh many many pink floyd lovers who you know absolutely uh you know hold it close to their hearts absolutely like you say it was seemed rather anachronistic but given that there are 26 songs on that oh given that i've had God. to pr- flick a tab down twice to read them all on the internet i do i do i mean again when you read down the uh, the listing mother is excellent you know goodbye cruel world is is really good hey you is really good there's lots of stuff on it that's that's good it just feels very long and i think i think it's 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 not helped by the fact that it is a film soundtrack or or it is sort of linked to the film but i'm just i don't know i i um but then having said that the film didn't come out until three years after the album was released so yeah i find it i find aspects of it to be a little bit indulgent although there is and it's too long to go on one cd as well at 80 minutes and 42 seconds Uh well that's that's always a downfall The the one thing i've noticed with bloated albums is that they very often almost always follow a burst of success from the artist and often follow a previously mega successful album. It leads the record company to then indulge the artist with far more scope than perhaps was merited. And a big example of that is my first choice is Fleetwood Mac's Tusk, which of Mm. course it followed the multiple platinum selling rumors and Tusk is a double album. It's indulgent. It's experimental. And at the time, it was the most expensive in terms of production costs, the most expensive album ever recorded. And as a double, it's terrible. And it was a huge disappointment when it was released. And it it took them nearly 10 years uh, to claw back credibility when, when uh, with the Tango in the Night album. Mm. Um, and there are three songs on Tusk that sound like demos. Uh, they're, they're Lindsay Buckingham tracks. Mm. And 
even though he's one of my favourite musicians, I've, I've, in my sort of editing, I've taken all but one of Lindsay Buckingham's tracks off because he mm. was going through a, let's just say, a peculiar time with his lifestyle <laughs> and his uh, intake, and mm. it just wasn't good. So I've reduced the twenty tracks to eight and a total playing a time of thirty minutes. So I whiz through them. I've got Sarah. If you're a fan of Fleetwood Mac, you'll mm. see if you agree. Yeah. Sarah, over and over. Think about me. Storms, Sisters of the Moon. That's all for everyone. Angel and Never Forget. So tough as a single album and they yeah, should have that is they, superb yeah they should have consulted me in 1979 frankly clearly um, yes that, that was their loss frankly now like you with your with your pjh i have my hero todd rundgren um it, 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 again high maybe too high on self-confidence after a burst of commercial success mm. as an artist and particularly uh, perhaps even more so as a producer suddenly given all the time in the world and he tried to cover all eventualities by reducing a flawed album of genius mixed with madness. And it was an album called Something Anything. Mm. And it has four sides to the vinyl album. Side mm. one is just... I'm already un- unsure, Terence, as a result of this. Well, they're sort of themed. The first side is exquisite pop. Side two has got sort of thoughtful ballads. Side three, sadly, is throwaway metal. And side four, silly experimentation, which has blighted Todd's career throughout. You know, you, you think, oh, he's really going off in a great direction. And then he does something loopy. So I would say keep side one, um, the the exquisite pop, as I mentioned. Uh, swap a couple of the heavy tracks into side two, drop a couple of duffers. Mm. And then you see you've got potentially one of the greatest pop albums of all time. Mm. But nobody from the record company had uh, the, the, the get up and go to say, Todd, mate. Let's just you look need at to this. stop this. Yeah. Stop this. Absolutely. No, I I agree. And isn't it interesting how how uh, the, uh, there's a parallel to the PJ Harvey record here in that they both had moments of perhaps slightly unexpected uh, unexpected mm. large commercial success and then. It, but isn't it interesting? Although having said that, I ne- I don't get the that the impression that that the PJ Harvey record is indulgent. I hear a str- someone struggling to know what to do, whereas yes. Todd seems to be exactly the opposite. Yes, he? he has seems too to much. Want to, yeah. want to do it all. Yeah. Although I like the fact that you say that the sides are themed. I like the fact that it's Todd's personal now album, isn't it? Because the now albums went through a phase of <laughs> having sort of themed <laughs> sections. Now that's what <laughs> I call Todd. If they called it that, it would have been huge. Indeed. What's your final pick for today Jules well going back to our Beatles so it's been a very um, inadvertently themed podcast this week um perhaps the ultimate one that pops up when people talk about this and this causes great deal of, of debate and consternation it's sat on my desk in front of me the Beatles the Beatles aka the White Album it's a it's a game that I play with my friends put the Beatles by the Beatles onto one single CD so 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 make the white the, the the double album that is the white album into a single album which ch- songs do you take which songs do you drop um i think there's an awful lot of uh of of toot on there i've got to be honest really I, I think i think there's some brilliant brilliant songs on there we played happiness is a warm gun earlier on as a case in point but you know for for every picking it up now for every uh, for every sort of back in the USSR and every dear dear prudence you've uh, you you've you've got uh, you've got a, a piggies you've got a you've got a you've got a, um, a, a continuing story of bungalow 
you've got a honey pie you've got a you've got a rocky raccoon you've got you've got all sorts of things um weirdly you could probably make a fairly good george harrison record out of this really um because it's got while my guitar gently weeps on it and also i've always rather liked savoy truffle particularly because of the story that uh but i think i like about the story behind it is that it's it's it was um written after the 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 different flavors of a box of chocolates that eric clapton bought him i do quite like that as a story behind a behind a track i must admit but no there's uh, there's some career best songs on um on uh on the white album and even some stuff like obla diabla da which you think might be a bit daft but has, has stood the test of time in terms of people still knowing it but yeah there's there's quite a lot you could drop from there i think after the sheer joy of Sergeant Pepper at the time, mm-hmm. I was, I think, about 12 when the White Album came out and it just felt a bit depressing. Um, and it's my it's my least favourite uh, Beatles album. I um, took up the sort of challenge here and I, uh, I'm going to really upset a lot of Beatles fans. And there's no mm. greater Beatles fan than me, really. But Absolutely. I've just got to be honest here. I've reduced it to a seven track EP. I've only got seven tracks that I would oh, ever wow. want to hear again. I've got Back in the USSR. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Happiness is a Warm Gun, Blackbird, I Will, Helter Skelter, and the proper version of Revolution. That's it. There's nothing wow. else on there that I want to hear again. Oh, gosh, fair enough. I'm not as, mm. as brutal as you on that, but uh, yeah, I agree. Mm. It could be, could be powered down. My most obvious choice of a bloated album that needs editing, uh, Say Hello to the Clash. Ah. I could easily have picked London Calling to be trimmed down to a single Ooh, album. That's controversial. Oh, I think it could be. Clearly one of the worst examples of indulgence and excess in, in music recording must go in the absurd triple album of 1980, Sandinista, in, in which they ran out of steam trying to create this triple record to the extent, and it's just awful that it includes keyboard player Mickey Gallagher's children singing career opportunities which isn't cute it's just awful annoying yeah absolutely a handful of throwaway dub versions that take up almost all of one side and an absolute this is this is the nadir an absolutely terrible track called Ments Forth Hill which mm. is the track something about England but played backwards what? that's it that, that is crazy that's it it's just a noise um a triple album of absurd excess. Um, it, it had 36 tracks and 12 would have been enough. It was so disappointing at the time um, mm. to, to, to hear this. And um, I've, never, I've actually never played it in full since 1980. Who oh, would want to hear? Quite. Who would want to hear Mickey Gallagher's children singing career opportunities? And uh, one of the other tracks in the album played backwards. It's It's just awful and and a terrible shame and again blights their career absolutely well the, the interesting thing about this is that ages ago when literally when i was at university my housemate lent me a book called sleb which was by andrew holmes which is a sort of a uh, a, a sort of a, a, a satire on fame generally and there's a sort of famous for five minutes bloke in it called mm. tony who is on a tube train that becomes uh trapped underground and there's sort of mass panic of the people that's trapped and he, tony doesn't really notice this because tony has been to 
Skype, HMV or wherever it is, and has bought Sand and Easter on <laughs> CD and sits there reading the book that he's bought and listening to Sand and Easter on headphones, which I think he ends up listening to twice because they're trapped down there for that long <laughs> and become, becomes briefly sort of semi-famous as the bloke who didn't notice he was stuck on a tube tray because he was listening to his headphones and makes appearances on chat phones listening to headphones whilst the action is going on in the background. So whenever I think of Sand and Easter, I always think of that. <laughs> well, yeah, he's probably the only bloke that's listened to it twice. Well, quite, yes, indeed, and he's fictional. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, as always, to you for mm. listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, it's very much so. It's always nice when we get messages that, it mean, is, that it yeah. feels like there's not just the two of us sat in separate rooms talking to each other. And we've got two more episodes uh, before our traditional Christmas break. Mm. Um, thanks also to Hilly and Rona. Yes, and as always. Back to Polly Jean to close, Jules. Indeed. I will, I'm will. i playing one of the songs that she did do on Her Her that I feel is one of her career best and gets a bit forgotten about as a result, partly because it's on Her Her, which uh, was one of those song, one of those albums I, I did feel for her. It sold hu- really hugely by her standards in its first week, I suspect, off the back of people buying it off the back of storage in the city and then rather dropped like a stone after <laughs> that. But, um, but this is beautiful. I really like this. I think this is one of her best ever tracks. This is PJ Harvey and this is Shame. And- I don't need no rising moon I don't need no ball and chain I don't need anything but you Such a shame, shame, shame Shame, shame, shame Shame is the shadow Listening to a Parish Council production.